0: Well, welcome back to Podcast Tips with Rob Greenley. Um, we are live again. I am back from PodFest, which I was at down in Orlando. I want to welcome you to the show. This is episode thirteen of this program, and I I hope it's a lucky thirteen. So, and hope that you stay with us and uh, ask lots of questions today. We have a terrific guest coming up, um, but get ready to learn some of the magic behind creating awesome podcasting content, and hopefully podcast content that's unforgettable, unfor- not unforgivable, but unforgettable. And uh, we'll be diving into the world of creating, you know, some different and unique content and some cool distribution str- strategies that'll make your podcast and audio visual experience a masterpiece. And I'm, I'm going to share next a little bit of uh of a, podcast tip and I am not endorsed by any or sponsored by any microphone manufacturer, but what I wanted to just share with you was uh, a couple of microphones that I have grown up with uh, in my podcasting career. Um, One of them obviously is the uh, Shure um, SM7B, which is the one I'm using right here. Um, But I would say that's a, that's a pretty advanced microphone. But it it certainly is a, a a good microphone. I would say it's probably the most popular microphone in the podcasting space today with the you know, with larger shows, shows that have probably a significant budget. To get one of these set up for your setup can be upwards of probably seven hundred or or eight hundred dollars to get it properly set up in your system. So, you know, you might wanna work your way up to to actually getting a microphone like this. And I have a few, um, microphones that would be terrific that you could use in your videos as well. You know, I'm a, I'm a big fan, as you might imagine with the boom arm and, and be able to not have to worry about the microphone and, and be able to move it around too. Uh, so one of the microphones that I want to share is the audio technica, ATR 2100 X. And I want to pull that up on the screen so you can see that. And, um, and have that uh oh my guest popped up there so let me uh i haven't brought him on the oh boy ah okay let's let's see here how can i okay jack you're on the screen with with me so that's all right no no you I, you, you can stay there it's okay it's no big deal go, go go ahead and turn your camera on it's fine but i wanted to talk about um the atr 2100 microphone I don't know if you can see on the screen, but it's it's a pretty inexpensive microphone. I actually have one of these here um, that you, you can see uh, right right here. And they're, they're usually around $79. But what the great thing about these microphones is that you can turn them off and on. There's a little on-off switch here. And also, they support XLR. So I don't know if you can see the, the back or the underside of this microphone, but it's got an XLR-capable and then a USB-capable plug-in. So it's a great way to kind of move up the ranks, as they say. So if you want to start out just utilizing USB, you can do that with this. And it's really easy to plug into your laptop or any kind of a computer. And then um, over time, maybe you want to eventually get a mixer or something like that then this microphone will also work with a regular mixer with an XLR jack in it. So this is a great microphone. I would highly recommend that you put this on a boom microphone or a boom stand. Sorry for for your microphone, kind of like this and that will help um, help alleviate any kind of handheld mic kind of noise. Cause some people like to hold the mic like this and talk into it and move their fingers around and that kind of stuff. And that can transfer the sound a little bit to, to this particular microphone. So it's, and it's good to get up close on this microphone, too. It does come with a pop filter. It's like a foam cover, kind of like what I have here on the on the Shure mic. The other mic I wanted to share is a, um, it's called the Samsung Q2U microphone. And I'm going to pull it up on the screen here, and you can see it. And this this microphone, it's actually very similar to the ATR. And it's, it's as you can say, it's very, as you can see, it's very close in price to the ATR. And it's very similar in its design and how it works. It's got XLR as well as a USB. So it's really kind of a personal preference kind of thing. Both of them will perform about the same. The advantage of this one is, is that it's better for handheld usage because it has a, a metal um, handle versus the ATR is kind of like a plastic. So it transfers noise a little bit. So that's th- those are a couple of mics that I wanted to re- recommend. And then, the the last one I wanted to share um, before I start talking about wireless mics, which is um, let, let, let me share the Sure um, MV7, which is this microphone, which I I happen to have one right here. And what's also what's common uh, amongst all these microphones that I'm sharing with you is their support for XLR and USB. So you have the ability to use it with. Um, like I said, a, you know, like a laptop or even a a tablet, and and be able to get the audio in there. But if you want to upgrade to a mixer or a roadcaster or something like that, you can you can do that. So so it's actually really really um, compelling option. The last one I wanted to share with you, and then we're going to move on and pull, pull Jack into the conversation here because he's got a lot to share with us, mm-hmm. is a new newer microphone that I've been playing around with. Uh, it's made by a company called DGI. And they're actually um, known for making drones. So I don't know if you're, if, if you're familiar with this, uh, this mic setup. So let me uh, make sure it's activated. Um, but it actually has a uh, receiver unit that comes in and it's basically a wireless microphone setup that that can plug into your iPhone. So you plug this into the back of your iPhone and you, um, you know, like, like this. And, and it basically attaches to your iPhone like this. And then you take these, these little lavalier mics and you mic up yourself and you mic up, let's say a guest. And you can, you can record uh, right into your iPhone or your iPad. Uh, you, you can also do this with a, a, a USB-C port as well. So if you have like a laptop that has a USB-C port, you can also use this. Each of these little lavaliers uh, actually stores audio in it too. So if you happen to get out of range of the receiver, it'll still record the audio. And all you do is take this little microphone Plug it into your laptop and transfer the audio off of it. So it's it's really kind of kind of versatile. It, it's a little on the yeah. I didn't pull it up on the screen. I, I probably should have done that. So let me um, let me pull that up here so you can see what that looks like. This is it here. It's it's a little bit more expensive. It's about three hundred forty nine dollars um, for the latest version of this, um, and it's but it's a terrific solution if you're trying to do remote um type of recordings and um ones that uh you know on your mobile phone. So it's it's really kind of compelling the actual base unit itself has a built-in battery in it that will recharge the the receiver as well as each each of the lavaliers. So you can take this out and not have to worry about running out of battery. So Anyway, I just wanted to share those. I, I hadn't really talked about equipment on this show too much yet. We, we've been really focused on the actual content part a lot on this program, but I, I just wanted to share some of the equipment that I use and I've been using for years with um, creating podcasts and doing things on a on a remote basis. So the last thing I wanted to share with you too is I used to work for Microsoft just so you know, you, you out there has – has a better understanding of, of who I am and what my background is. But I used to work on what's called the um, the Microsoft uh, Zune HD or, or the Zune platform, which originally started back in 2007 as part of an initiative um, at Microsoft uh, that la- later got merged in with Xbox. But they made a uh, portable media player that was competing with the iPod in the early days of podcasting. And so... So I was in charge of all the content and and the the podcast area. And this is a this is a Zune HD right here. So it, it was a competitor to the iPod back in the day, and it had a fairly large screen that that would actually play video. So you can see on the screen here, those are those are video podcasts that are listed in there that are stored have been on that device for many many years. And on the back of the device, this was one of the last Zune HDs ever made. And uh, I don't know if you can see it or not, but it has a tombstone on it because it was the last one or the last batch of Zune HDs that they ever made. So the the team that uh, was still standing at the end of all their layoffs back in that time frame, you, you know, this was kind of when Zune HD kind of kind of went out of. Um, out of run and out of the market uh, was around 2011 or so. And that was a tough economic time. So my, Microsoft was laying off a lot of people. And so there wasn't a lot of Zoom people left. Um, but I left the, the Zoom team um, about 2014, but I, I, I'd been absorbed into Xbox at that time. So I was the only um, non-music guy on the music team. Of all things, so I was I was in charge of the the podcast area. But anyway, I just wanted to share that, and the uh, it's a little history lesson into the the um, kind of span of the podcasting era. And this platform, the Zune HD and the Zune platform, it had its own like um, iTunes type of software, and it it basically was the second largest consumption platform for podcasting until about uh, I would say probably. 2013 probably 2012, uh, and that's that's that was just a little bit before Spotify decided that they were going to get into podcasting, and then they they took that second place spot away from Microsoft. And there's a lot of people that be surprised to hear that. <laughs> so so anyway, uh, that's that's a little bit of my history lesson here. So let's uh, back out of this and get into the the full side of the show here. And we can we can pull up our terrific guest here. Um, I'm going to pull him up on the screen, and uh, we can get into it and talk a little bit more. Um, please welcome Jack Levy. He's an acclaimed podcast uh, executive producer uh, at a company called Manifest Media, and and has worked uh, extensively with iHeartMedia, and is an Emmy award winning. Podcast producer. He's nominated. Uh, he's been nominated about thirty times. And Jack's current podcast is the Lower Bottoms podcast for iHeart, and uh, is working with Kelsey Grammer and Debbie Allen on this this production. I guess they're in uh, streaming season two with this. So, Jack, welcome to the program. It's great to have you with me.
1: Thank you, Rob. Hey, I have a few questions about your uh, mic selections and, yeah. and one suggestion. You know, I'm sure don't know if it's weirded, but uh, the little portable system was it the uh, DIJ uh, system or the DJI system?
0: Yeah, it's the DJI. Right. Yeah,
1: it, the, how many? Do you know if you can use multiple systems concurrent? Let's say I'm shooting a little a little project and I have four people who need a lav mic, right? If I have two phones, is there any interference using two systems? And and if not. Be. I wonder how many systems you can stack in order to get, you know, multi-channel recording.
0: From what I understand about the technology, they they have multiple, multiple channels that they utilize because, you know, all of these wireless uh, cool. platforms realize that there, there's a lot of network interference, right? So, so they have to utilize and be able to quickly switch between channels. Um, so it shouldn't be a problem. So my guess is they probably utilize probably up to five different channels or wireless uh, frequencies to yeah. to communicate with each of these these devices so they don't have that overlap. So, yeah, I would imagine that you could. Yes.
1: Okay. Excellent. I mean, that makes it much more usable for, you know, all kinds yeah. of media projects within podcast and even in independent filmmaking and, you know, you know a, a social media video and all that kind of stuff. The other thing I, w- I want to add about microphones is, you know, I, I know microphones. I love microphones. I collect microphones. I oh, yeah. A lot of people in podcasts say, what microphone should I get? And, you know, the, the real thing, I think, is what is your application, not what microphone should I get? So when you were talking about mics, um, you know, when it says a dynamic mic or a condenser mic, I think that's nonsense to most of the people who are buying microphones. Oh, that's a good range. point. Yeah. If you have a boundary mic, what's called a boundary mic, that means you're going to get the whole room, like what you want in a boardroom or something. So if you have a lot of people around a table, and you can only have one microphone, you know, maybe you're looking for a boundary mic, right? Because that's going to pick up everybody. And then when you talk about, you know, condenser mics and dynamic mics, it's like a laser beam versus a floodlight. Right. Yeah. Um, totally. So, so you know, it goes from, from that boundary mic, which is everything, which is, you know, 360, Uh, to your, you know, condenser mic, to your dynamic mic, to your, you know, shotgun mic, which is very uh, particular. So I think it's not just, you know, what microphone is the best. It's like how long is a rope, but you think of your application and then you try to choose the right microphone, I think. But, you know, great content is not incumbent on the microphone. You know, you can put uh, uh, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: put a great musician on uh, uh, on a pawn store instrument and they'll sound great.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think that the technology is getting a lot better now too. um You know, I know that you've been playing around with this new Nomano platform. And oh,
1: listen, and we're, we're I, I love their stuff. I, I love their stuff. You know, it's funny. There's there's a lot of, of platforms that you know make it very easy to. You know, listen, we make it so easy, so easy to produce a podcast. All you need to do is push one button, you produce. But you know, the real question is, and, and there's platforms that do it. There's things like the Nomano that do it. But you know that's like a program that says it will, will teach you to play guitar in three easy steps. You know, it doesn't mean that you're going to be a virtuoso and the misnomer is, Oh, it's so easy. I can do it too. And it puts little value on, you know, on the actual content or what value you're bringing your audience or, um, you know, what, what emotional response you bring from your audience. Cause that's really oh, where yeah. your truth rises. It's not so much on, but yeah, the no Mono stuff is great. If you're a storyteller and you want to go in the field there is nothing like it at its price point. You need a location sound crew to do what it does effortlessly, and and it hasn't failed me yet. I keep expecting it to because you know it's <laughs> a snob. Um, but but not only is it a killer piece of gear, and listen, I I I am not paid to endorse it uh, 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 like this at all. But yeah. not only is it a killer piece of gear, but you know, it, it, it sounds fantastic. It hasn't failed me yet. It's everything you wish you had. You know, it's a location sound crew who never stops paying attention.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I've got one here here myself. Uh, The the, the Nomano platform is out of Norway, right? Yeah, so we both have them.
1: Yes, well, they're going to get mad at me because, you know, I I got flamed by one of their people for showing that unit because that was a beta unit. I have other ones that are the proper unit. But, you know, I'm kind of partial to this, like my favorite handbag, so.
0: Yeah, I think it's got that 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 shiny surface. Yeah, mine's got kind of like a matte gray look to it, so yeah. it's it's not as uh, cool looking as yours. Yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, that's that, that's kind of a conversation about you know trying to match the the recording technology you have for the type of project that you're trying to do, and I think that's that's where we are in podcasting to some degree as we think about um, you know the type of productions that you're doing um, may benefit from having you know different kinds of recording capabilities but but certainly the the more traditional Microphones and things like that. I, I'm sure you're pretty dependent on the the high end mics and stuff like that, just like everybody else is. Still,
1: listen, and absolutely. And, and the mic that the mic that you're speaking into right now, you will find in you will find it universal, and you will find it Warner Brothers, and you will find in every major recording yep. studio, and you will find in every radio room. So it's a very respectable, dependable mic that you know, regardless of your voice, it's going to give you a lot of what you're looking for. So you know, that's a tried and true favorite. You know, I. I, I'm really fortunate, you know. I use some very high-end mics. You know, what, yeah. what did they use? What, what do they use to record? That you know, you know, I've used uh, on my narrators the same setup Frank Sinatra always used, and I've used the same mics that you know a uh, Whitney Houston liked to sing into. And I, you know, so I'm really so I try to shoot some of my shows more like a jazz record than I would a traditional podcast. I think each voice is an instrument, and I want to see you know what kind of quality we can bring to the medium because I'm doing something. You know, I like fiction podcasts. I've always been a fiction storyteller. Right. And so, you know, it's different than, you know, if you're doing a a, a solo cast or, you know, a a show where you're talking about information or delivering, you know, some daily advice or, you know, whatever you're doing. I think that's different than being a, a, you know, a fiction storyteller. And I just I saw I saw such a um, an opportunity there. Uh, But, you know, and as you said, the mic demand is a little different. And and I try to do it. I, I, you know, for me. It's like a Quincy Jones record and a Tarantino film and a podcast, and that's what I try to kind of deliver to the to the ears. But you know, I mean, it's a different audience too.
0: Yeah, and I've seen uh, very successful podcasts, uh, you know, start out. And and build huge audiences with a with a microphone like this. So no, uh, you know, that's,
1: listen, it's
0: sixty nine dollars, right? One hundred percent, one
1: hundred percent. Listen, listen. The story you have to tell has nothing to do with the quality mic, right? And, and if you are a compelling storyteller, like Stephen, Stephen King said, "Story is a jalopy that runs versus a Ferrari that doesn't." You know, if you have a good story, your audience is going to go with you. Right. So, you know, if you're telling a good story, uh, your audience is going to go with you. If you're adding value, if you're answering questions, if you're, you know, if you're, you know, connecting emotionally and that can be negative or positive. Some people hate that guy. We hate him. He's such a, you know, but and and still tune in every week. So, um, you know, and and flame and flame. But, uh, uh, you know, I mean, you want to connect emotionally or you want to offer some value.
0: Yeah. And I want to also say too that you know quality does matter. Uh, you know I think that, that there is a higher level of expectation now on the part of listeners that your audio does sound um, listenable. It's not painful to listen to, yeah. <laughs> which is listen. which uh, is uh, my uh, my, my base bar. <laughs> Yeah, listen.
1: You know, you, you win a marathon by milliseconds, not by miles, right? Yep. So when you when you when you get into that top one percent of shows, and by the way, some people don't want to be. They want to have a show, and they want to have fun, and they want it to be out there, and they want to you know enjoy the community, and that's one thing. And you can totally do that. And you know, and, and again, I think I have a lot of advice for how people can do that more successfully. But you know, if you say, hey, I really want to compete at the highest levels, yeah, you know, it is those little differences in quality and those little differences in performance that that are going to make the difference between you being you know, an award nominee and an award winner, you know, it's going to be those little differences that make the difference, the gift wrap, not the present inside.
0: So when you do, which I'm, I don't know that you do a lot of live video, but what's your philosophy on audio when it comes to live like this? I mean, uh, what kind of a microphone setup are you using right now? Are you using like a Mac um, type of mic setup?
1: Well, well, listen. I, I mean, right now it, it's funny. It's almost like a home surround system, right? Some Got people get it. all crazy about their home surround system, and they spend—I spent a ten thousand dollars or forty thousand dollars on my home surround system. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. the room isn't an acoustic room, right? So you right. might as well have air conditioning and open windows. So you know, I think about what can I have at home because I've, I've come up in the finest, finest recording studios, and were one of my first gigs with AM Records with Herb Alpert, and then Don Henley in Studio A, and and so those were the environments I was in, and so. You know, I think for the purposes of this, you know, I could, I I have better mics here. I have some very fine mics I'm looking at within my proximity, but, you know, I think this is good enough
0: for the conversation, but, um, you know, no, I agree with you. I mean, it, it gets back to what's the content and, and I, I don't think that the, that the audio, when it comes to a show like this one is, is critical. Now I am, um, Going to put this show out as a as a podcast. I mean, at some point, as an audio only experience. But it's just a matter of um, thinking about video. Um, do we think that the visual experience of video is somewhat more more important than the audio experience? Do you think? I think it depends on the story you're telling. Right? right. Some people want a bedtime story and they
1: close their eyes and they listen to a story. They want a horror story around on a campfire. And that's more of an immersive experience in your mind. Right. And right. so if you're going to have a podcast like that, you can go audio podcast. And that's a great way to go and connect with an audience who's looking for that experience. Some people want to see what you're doing. I have a cooking podcast. Well, I want to see what you're doing and I want to see how it's made and how do you scramble those eggs? And when do I put them in? Right. Or, you know, or, or anything, you know, it doesn't matter if it's voyeuristic, like, in you know, Howard Stern or Drink Champs or whatever. You know, you want to see what's going on. And and listen, I love Tiny Desk Concerts because, you know, you get a great show and it sounds great, but then you want to go and see that performance. So, you know, even though they have, you know, ridiculous downloads, their YouTube channel has, you know, 50 million views, 50 million on, you know, 50 million on a piece of content because That's people awesome. want to see that. So I think it really depends on on your program. But I think even if you have an audio only podcast, there are still moments on the stage during production, blah, 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 that you could have on a YouTube channel to have a mm-hmm. further echo in video because, you know, I, I think here's where you're going to thrive in podcast really anyone who thinks I'm gonna have a show and it's gonna be mil- you know big and I'm gonna get money from YouTube. That, that's just that's not it or I'm gonna have a show and I'm gonna have lots of downloads and I'm gonna get $30 CPM and I'm gonna make money. It, it, it's just not how it works. Um, You have to make money 360 on your show. So you want to think, how can I have video and add value there? How can I have merchandising and add value there? How can I have an event and connect with my audience and add value there? And, you know, your community will help you monetize a little bit, you know, all the way around. But I think video is a huge component. People want to see anything that sounds like it's interesting. You know, it's listen, that's why. And and I hate to endure. I I don't hate to endorse it because, you know, it doesn't really matter if you love it or hate it. It's a great example. You know, a lot of things went on in Howard Stern that people wanted to see, you know, before there was this innovation that we're working with now. And I think you have the exact same thing with, you know, video and podcast. I think there's moments that people can listen to and moments people want to see. But I think no matter what, there should always be a video component.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, that's the consensus of the industry that we're starting to see now is that um, people are really starting to to accept uh, what the listeners and the viewers are telling us in research. And this is actually coming out. I think that the industry, the podcasting industry has been really defaulted towards thinking of the medium primarily as an audio only medium. Um, And I think that isn't historically accurate um you know a lot of people don't realize that the early days of podcasting was about 30 or 40 percent video um which may be surprising in the context of um data speeds and the ubiquity of you know of internet access back in those mm-hmm. days um but it it, it was there, there were whole media companies that started that were just doing video podcasts and a, and a couple of them are still you know, around like how stuff works is was a was a video podcast uh, platform when they, when it started, yeah. um, And it got acquired by Discovery and then iHeart Radio, and and then it started to do more audio and as well as on on the video side. I think maybe they faded away on the video side because of um, iHeart's interest as being an audio uh, primarily audio platform. Um, but it's,
1: i cool. they there. They're still clear channel at their heart. You know, they're still, you know, Oh yeah, as, totally far, right. as far as, in my opinion, I don't mean to offend anyone at iHeart who's, you know, cause I know many of you, but, uh, you know, they, they operate like a radio station. They still
0: do, I think. Oh yeah. Well, that's in their DNA. That's yeah. what, that's what you would expect from them. <laughs> yeah. I remember working with them a little bit back when they were, they still had that clear channel name and, yeah. and I've also worked pretty closely with them since they've moved into podcasting too. And they've, I would think that I I would say that of all the radio networks, they probably embrace podcasting at a deeper level than just about everybody, except well, maybe SiriusXM. But I don't know that I would classify SiriusXM as really a broad a broadcast radio. Listen, I think
1: they're deeply invested in it, like a collector, not right. like right. not like an investor. Yeah. So yeah. they're invested in collecting as much IP as they can. But unlike the investor who's looking for maximum output, even from his smallest investment, you know, they're interested in collecting that, but really only interested in focusing on their largest investments. And look, I love their, you know, I love Will Ferrell and Charlemagne, the God and everyone else who they have, who's who everyone can objectively argue is fantastic, but you know, they pay little attention to the stuffed animals they don't play with, which is fine. Just fine. This is an interesting.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Well, Hey, hey, before we keep, keep, going and diving into kind of more details around the content side is where, where I'd love to go with this conversation is I wanted to mention everybody and many people, um, already know this about the show cause they've been here before. Uh, but I do have a giveaway at the end of the, of the program today and I, I'm going to be giving away a, um, a Streamyard uh, sweatshirt hoodie. This is it here. And, and as well as a, uh, as a puddles duck that you can put behind you on your background if you want to, or you can give it to your dog. It's up to you. (laughs) So, so anyway, so just enter into the comment field of your chosen social platform and enter the hashtag the yard. And I can probably show you that right on the screen here. Someone actually did it before I even asked. It's pretty awesome. right? So that's, that's usually right toward the end. We will pull up a screen. StreamYard has built a little tool that we can use to gather those um, entries. And uh, I'm going to go in right now, and I'm going to activate it. And so it will definitely collect all those comments. I I think we're up to like 24 comments, all, or not comments, but um, posts of the Yard. And so keep, keep them coming. So if you haven't done it yet, just enter hashtag the yard and that will qualify you to get into the giveaway. And I will push the button and we will uh, throw some confetti and find out who is the winner this week. So anyway, um, Jack, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, kind of your your work. I know that you have an announcement that uh, you made over the last couple days—a uh, partnership with Realm, yeah, and saying, yeah. and that's a that's a, a large podcast uh, studio and fastest-growing independent podcast network. Uh, but your background really is around um, podcast production, sound design. Uh, what's called media finishing, which I'm not exactly sure what that term means. So you might want to clarify that and voice talent direction, um, kind of coaching creative teams and story threads and, and, and budgeting. But I'm not sure how that, how, how much of that applies to this audience, but it's certainly uh, something I think that's
1: first of all, all, all of it applies. So all I, have okay. kind of I, I came from film and TV. Uh, you know, I started, you know, Uh, I guess with, you know, people like certain credits in my resume. So, you know, I did animation, I did Captain Planet, right? And then I I got into film and I did Army of Darkness for Sam Raimi, which was great. And so I did the sound design and the sound finishing and the audio uh, because I've always been in recording studios and I've always recorded and I've always worked on you know, for teams that were very demanding. I did Battlestar Galactica for Universal. I did Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for Marvel. I did Outlander. I did, you know, it was Suits and many, many other, Gossip Girl, many other projects. Um, and always with people who were very demanding about their sound. So I was very interested when I saw, you know, podcast on the rise having been in traditional media, I mean, it started in music, Warner brothers and Motown and Capitol. And so I was always in studios recording stuff. And then lateral for me, I see podcasting on the rise. Right. And it's interesting because even if you're working on a film and and the directors are always great and the studio is always great, you're a creative partner, but you know, sound is, 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 is is always secondary to film, even though, you know, Spielberg says it's half the picture and in podcast, you could really shine. You could really, you know, you're almost the, you know, the record producer or director in podcast. So as it was coming up, I saw it as a great medium for storytelling and it didn't matter if it was documentary. I worked on food Inc, which was Oscar nominated or, or, you know, fiction, you know, uh, uh, storytelling. Um, but, uh, so I got into it having always produced sound and, uh, listening to podcasts. I thought they could be better audio storytellers. They were fine storytellers. Um, but, uh, you know, I thought there was a opportunity there. So, um, so, but, but, you know, you mentioned Lower Bottoms. You know, I uh, I helped set up Universal's podcast division. And then I um, I consulted for some people and I sold Lower Bottoms to Will Packer and iHeart, which was great. And we had Theo Rossi from Sons of Anarchy and Amber Riley from Glee, who was great. But now, you know, after those experiences, a, a partner of mine, Mark Nell, and I, you know, started producing shows. And our first one is Table Read. And we take a room full of Hollywood actors and a script who's written by someone you are familiar with. It doesn't matter if it's the guy who created Vampire Diaries or, you know, Fred Armisen from Saturday Night Live and Ty Burrell came to us with the script, but we do a live reading around a table, just like they do behind the scenes in Hollywood to see if they like a script, but we make a podcast out of it. And um, we've been on the charts for 41 weeks with that. But I think the reason is, In fiction podcasts, why hasn't it gotten over? And I think the audience isn't included in the experience. And in our show, almost like Saturday Night Live, when they screw up, you're part of it. We bring a live reading to the table and the audience feels like they're there. So they're listening to professionals doing their best, but when it falls apart, they're part of it. We, we break the fourth wall and they hear everyone talking about, okay, let's pick it up back up here. And, and, and they're, they're part of the laughs. They're part of the mistakes. They're part of the experience, but oh, that's very kind of you. Who's that guy? Oh my God. So my father. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, um, so that's what we do. And I think, you know, to, to, to fiction, we brought something fresh. It's an anthology show by the greatest storytellers. Like even when, you know, our content is not from anonymous content or someone who's been on people magazine. It's from an award-winning writer who's won all these awards and hasn't had a shot. And so we bring those stories to life too. And it's been going really well. And um, now we have a project called failure, which is uh, on the society and culture charts. Uh, I think we're in the fifties right now. And uh, it was just written up in variety. It's called failure with Ryan Kavanaugh. Ryan was a, you know, and is a, you know, a, a credible producer in Hollywood, but he has a sordid past, you know, half of Hollywood loves him and half of Hollywood hates him. Mm. <laughs> so it's, show, it's true. He has a show called failure where he, you know, talks to some real icons, not about their highest moments, but about their deepest failures. We first one is, uh, Nigel Lithgow, who was our very first guest who created American Idol. And so you think he can dance, but has such an accomplished history before he ever got to that point. But, you know, he, he tried to commit suicide at one point in his life. And he's been on his oh. deathbed at another point in his life. And, you know, he's been accused of things that are in the media now. And so he's talked about, even though everyone knows his successes, how he's handled these failures. And every guest that we have on, we have Bryce Hall coming up, who has 33 million TikTok followers, something ridiculous like that. And, you know, he talks about, you know, he started his podcast because he used to be bullied in high school and he ate his lunch in a bathroom stall because he didn't want to get beat up. And so he started talking to his phone and now the guy's, you know, shredded and has 33 million followers and a, you know, an eight figure net worth. And, um, you know, and, and so that's, uh, you know, uh, what Ryan's, somebody talks to those people about, you know, how their failures really provided the motivations and seeds of their success. So, and Ryan certainly knows that because, you know, he's made a billion dollars and lost $2 billion, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that the, the stories that, you know, a lot of the producers out of Hollywood um, have with podcasting is interesting. And I think that's, that's kind of what I wanted to dive into is that, you know um, there's a lot of uh, people in Hollywood like yourself, um, you know, and I think I've, I've definitely got the impression that you like to innovate, push the envelope on, on things and try things. And, um, oftentimes or more often than not, you're, you're successful with what you're doing. And so there's definitely some lessons that can be learned from that, um, in the broader context of the podcasting industry and, and how, you know, others might be able to approach this that might work. I don't, you know, I don't Listen, know where you want to start you could, on you, could, that. you could
1: have a real estate podcast in Sandusky, Ohio, or a podcast about the best pizza in Boston, right? You know, yeah. it, the, the principles that I apply that, that are working very successfully for me are, are, are no different there, right? right? And if you say to yourself, well, I don't know what to do, or I don't have the money, or what kind of microphone do I buy, or I don't know anything about marketing, then, you know, your job is not to buy it, but your job is to partner with people who understand it because mm-hmm. you're going to get so much more from a partner than uh, someone you buy it from. And I can tell you this, if you think you have a great idea and you can't sell a partner on it, it's probably not such a great idea, I think. (laughs) So, and, and, and by the way, prove me wrong. And i I love saying I'm wrong. And my ex-wife will agree with you. So
0: (laughs) So I think that one of the things that a lot of creators out there, especially ones that are using StreamYard, and there's exceptions to this, but they tend to be solo creators, right? Um, They're, maybe have a buddy of theirs that they're doing a show with or co-host or, or they're a company that's trying to do a branded show or things like that. And oftentimes the kind of productions that that you're working on usually have a production team around them and, and very, very talented, um, you know, folks that are in your content. Um, so how do you, how would you recommend to an independent grader or, or oh. just a, You know, a team of two. Um, What kind of things do they need to think about? I got
1: you. If you're going to play music in your garage, be a great songwriter, right? Right. So if if you're going to do a solo cast and 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 you're going to provide the bare minimum in production value, which is fine, Mm -hmm. you better be an expert storyteller. You better answer questions your audience wants answered. You better have an experience that leaves people feeling something. It's interesting. I was shooting a a podcast not too long ago with a a highly respected producer. The guy did Rain Man and many other fine films. And he had um, uh, uh, Trayvon Freon, who was an Oscar-winning short film a maker, a director. And he said the most important thing for him in filmmaking is, is not the story, but how people feel about his character because they stop paying attention. They forget the story point, but at the end of the film, that character made them feel something. And I think the most important thing for the independent creator is to leave your audience feeling something. If you're not doing that, you know, you're certain if it's a sense of curiosity, I got to try that restaurant. If it's I don't agree with your political opinions, you're a bastard and you, you have no right to live. It doesn't matter. You know, you have to leave your audience feeling something. That's how you're going to make the, the listen. You go to a restaurant and the food is delicious and you get shitty service. You say, I'm not going back there. You, know, right. you don't remember that the food was doing. You, you do. But you think what a shame because those are assholes. Yeah, exactly. and not back, right?
0: It depends on what you're what you're remembering about the experience. Exactly. So, exactly.
1: so your first, you know, yeah. your first thing is, you know, how do you make your audience feel really um, yep. And then, you know, uh, there's, listen, it's like anything else, you know, a certain amount of discipline is involved. I tell everyone, if you want to get in a podcast, you got to, you got to uh, uh, dedicate yourself to a season. You can't say I'm going to try one and see if it works. And what do people think? I'm going to ask five people, you'll hear five opinions, you'll never get it done. Right? You get a season done and you gain an audience and you get some numbers. By the time you hit the end of your season, you will learn so much about producing your show and editing story. And I wish I had done this. And, 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 and I guarantee you, anyone who commits to a season and has that, it's like going to the gym. I guarantee you, if you do a proper program at the gym for 12 weeks, you will see a difference in your body that, that every diet wishes they could sell you. Right. And everyone knows that, but no one has the discipline to do it. Podcast is the same. Do a season of your show, 12 episodes, 24 episodes. I guarantee you, you'll see results at the end of that season.
0: Yeah. And at the very least, you're going to learn a lot from it too. I mean, I, I advise creators to, you know, not create a bunch of episodes in advance. Uh, Just start with your first, get to your second, get to your third. And what you'll find is you'll, you'll learn along the way, right? Mm -hmm. You'll learn your preferences. You'll learn a little bit Hopefully, you'll get some feedback from your audience, and you can refine and improve. And that's that's what I'm trying to do with this show too. Is I'm I'm trying to make it better every time I do it. And better is a is a subjective decision, right? Um, and there's no that's judged
1: by your downloads and listeners. It can be easily seen in your RSS feed what you're getting, and in, in your YouTube counts. You know, really, that's the yeah. you know, that's your barometer. Unless it's much more altruistic. Yeah. And I think, well, you know, I I want to disagree with you. And and by the way, we can both, we can have different opinions and both be right. Yeah, totally. I think if you're going to launch your podcast, you should have three episodes, right? Okay. And I think you launch with three, not only for your metrics. Hey, why am I under the charts? And why don't I have more downloads? And why aren't I making, well, the more downloads you have in a small period of time are going to affect mm -hmm. your ranking more than a lot of downloads over a long period of time. So if someone likes your show, Hey, I love Rob Shaw. I want to listen to another one. And listen again, you have something that if you just launched with one show, you don't have. Right. That's so you true. have an opportunity to push your, your optics. You have an opportunity for your, you know, your SEO if you launch with three shows versus one show. And also it just shows a level of commitment on your part to doing your show. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I know many people who don't, you know, who who don't watch any TV or, or streaming, you know, programs until they at least have a season on the air because they don't want their time wasted. They don't want three episodes an hour or anything like that. So
0: Yeah, I would say that my only pushback on that too is is the concept is that you know you if you produce three episodes in one sitting and you're just getting started, maybe you're going to produce three episodes and sometimes you won't you'll publish one of them but you won't publish the other three because you want to redo them because they're not up to your your perceived standard uh yeah,
1: they don't have to be in one sitting you know it, it's funny right. maybe we'll come about two different kinds of shows yeah i think you know when you go live you have your feed and you're gonna put your stuff in you know youtube or buzzsprout or wherever you're gonna launch your show right if if you know when i get paid to consult for people or if a friend has yeah. i would say do not launch with a single show launch with right. more than one show if you're serious about getting noticed because well. it's simple math The way the metrics work, why is this show on the Apple charts and that one's not? Why is this famous person down there and this shit I've never heard of is up top? It's a very simple matter of mathematics, and your ranking is different than your downloads. So you can have a number one show with shitty downloads. You can have a show that has tons of downloads and you don't see on the charts at all. And some people conflate those two. They're two completely different things.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I like the comment here that uh, the com, uh, was it uh, – a uni, um, T gave us here. Thanks so much for this. Uh, I avoided starting for years out of fear, but I decided to develop consistency consistently in 2024. So congratulations. I, I think that's a good, good choice. Um, so I think, you know, I think, uh, Jack, we're both kind of of the same thought on that topic from the standpoint of, of, um, there is an advantage to having, multiple episodes in your feed for the simple reason that we are in a binging generation, right? Just look at uh, the ideology of Netflix, right? Um, Netflix produces all their episodes in advance and they publish them all at the same time. (laughs) Oftentimes, right? What if someone has one job on their resume?
1: What if someone has one picture on their Instagram profile? That's right. It doesn't mean anything about that person, but what you think about them, You, you make a judgment based on that. So, you know, I, you know, I, I think you, you know, it just shows a level of commitment. And even as a, as a producer of content, you'll, you'll learn a lot by having three episodes live. Like you said, what if you want to make a change? I agree with you. By the time you get to episode three, you're going to say, I'm going to go back and shoot a new intro for episode one right? Yeah. Which and, you can and, still as do. As, right? you know, as you know, when we get to episode 100, you think, oh my God, I wish I could go back and do those other shows. But that's like looking at baby pictures. You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with it, but you've learned so much. And, you know, but I just think as a content creator and, and, and if you're just a tactician, you know, yeah. it's podcast tips, you know, launch with multiple episodes because it's, it's a good hack for, for, you know, for chart position. If you're going to do anything to promote your show, you're wasting your time. If you're promoting a single episode, don't waste your time.
0: Yeah, I think that, um, I think both of us are right. I think it depends on the context. I agree here. with Norma. I
1: right. agree with you, Norma. I agree with you. Right. And Norma, you can, you can DM me or whatever. And if you have a question about yep. launching your show, I'm happy to, to play through. But, uh, you know, you're doing all that work. Right. It's like, let's say you do a bodybuilding competition. You finally get yourself the shape you've always wanted to get into and do the competition and you don't take one picture. Well, what what a wasted opportunity. And I think, you know, launching your show is very much the same way. And just with a little smart thinking and no more work, you can get so much further. You just want to work smart, not hard, because the hard work is ahead of you. It's not right now.
0: Yeah, and and it's easy to to replace an episode too. So if if for some reason you do publish it and you kind of regret publishing it, you can always kind of make some addition uh, I've, done changes, that, I've done that, yeah, right, and, and then replace the file up on the server. Now with YouTube, it, it's a little more challenging to do that. You can't. I mean, you can edit um, on on YouTube, but you can't um, update a file. So you have to. You know, that's but that's a different platform, we're talking about podcasting. So if you make a mistake with something and you missed it or something like that in the third episode of your, of your launch, you can always update it. Um, And so that's, that's possible. So I I do agree with you, Jack, that I think that there is an advantage there because your audience comes to that feed or comes to the instance in Apple podcasts and sees three episodes and they're, they're like, well, maybe they don't connect with the first episode, but they connect with the second one. Right. And they try the second one. Um, that probably opens up an opportunity which uh, may have been missed, right? Absolutely, yeah.
1: And, and, and also, you know, you have better optics for your sponsors. As I said, if you're if you're reviewing restaurants, you know, having a few episodes to rock might get you a sponsorship locally or nationally where a single episode won. You're welcome, Norma.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah thank you uh and uh I say leaving scientology I, I don't know if this is a topic about scientology but uh I say i haven't figured out the the virtual cable for sound but the streamyard uh but the streamyard end of that is easy it says here um the the was it obs part is a bit tricky so i have been using streamyard um uh audio selection just, just my microphone. So, I think you know, trying to utilize OBS with StreamYard, um, I think you can do it, but it might be better to just use one tool <laughs> than probably trying to use two. Um, just my my own advice. You know, I don't know that there is a lot of things that OBS can do that StreamYard can't do in most situations, but um, but you know, if you are successfully doing that and the virtual cable. Um, thing is i'm not sure if that's a that's an audio thing or if you're talking about um, the video side on the on the virtual cable part but
1: yeah hey, um, i have some Streamyard audio spec questions i don't know how well you're in with their technical specifications but you know uh, what, what are the limits of their audio streaming let's say i had a live event I was shooting a concert. I was shooting a, we're in the studio recording a record and I want to stream something in surround sound. I want to stream something in Dolby Atmos. I want to stream mm. something in 5.1. Do you know what my ability is in, 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 in the audio spec?
0: Yeah. It's not going to do any advanced codecs like that. We're, we're okay. basic, uh, basic just audio right, right now. Um, yeah. But I, you know, I think is, you know, that's a good topic because I do believe that the technology is improving and that we will see uh, support for things like that start to move across the industry. Listen,
1: you know, this, this little no mono device that you and I both have here, this little thing here, this yeah. box that I'm holding has eight microphones in it. So yeah. in addition to these lavaliers here that give you, hey, you know, you're know, you on Bill Maher and you have a lavalier mic, and, and they have a little AI that makes it sound better than a lot of engineers do. Yeah, right. So you have this box, which gives you the ability to have some level of surround sound, which is when when they say ambisonic that well, it's spatial you know, audio. It. Is what, yes, what so you get a lot of three sixty right. audio, and so as long as you have a device that's so portable, and and by the way, a, a Streamyard might actually support it. It just depends on this on on the on the data spec of their streaming. You know, if I have a binaural two channel file, right, mm-hmm. that won't translate to an MP three because the amount of of screwing around with the file they do does not allow me to do that. But well, on in the YouTube, export the... In, in, in YouTube, I can have spatial audio, so I can have a .bin Wav file, right. and 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 I can have a black picture but surround sound audio on on YouTube. So I'm just curious, you know, if 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 this streaming platform handles it. I think it'd be really great for you know podcasts that have live music events or music coverage, things like that. That'd be interesting.
0: Yeah, I think that those you know those Dol- Dolby Atmos platforms and. And things like that um, are are coming to podcasting pretty fast. I know. I was just down at Podfest down in Orlando, and they had outfitted a, a Tesla Model X. I know. Yeah, I've seen that. I've yeah. seen that yeah. So so it was an interesting experience. You know, those those Model X cars have like eight speakers in them, right? So yeah. so you can create that kind of sound depth and sound.
1: Well, well, um, I'll, 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 t- I'll tell you this interesting and I, I shouldn't hint at it because our deal is not done. But I, I, I like the product. <laughs> So we're talking to Lucid Autos, you know, Lucid Automobile, who makes a competitive Lucid, right? Tesla. They have, they have a 21-microphone system. A microphone? 21, I'm sorry. Yeah, they have a 21-speaker system. I'm sorry. They have a 21-speaker system in their car that is very immersive, and, and you know, the materials they use and, and the, the acousticians who've, who've been involved in the project are interesting. And so they're considering doing some podcast sponsorships, and I think it's the perfect forum to do it because, you know, what better you know place to do it than in, in an acoustically sound environment? You can control it. You know how your surround sound is going to be. You're driving to work. You're going here or there. You're on vacation and you can tr- enjoy an immersive audio experience. So, you know, we, we've been talking to Lucy about possibly coming on board a project. So, uh, but I, I, I hear you and I hear you with the Dolby project too. Although, listen, I like the guys at Dolby. The individuals are nice. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you something about Dolby though. And I don't want to make enemies, but I do it organically. Um, they are much more focused in the deal that they can make. With Amazon about proprietary technology, than making a surround sound experience available to the content creator. Hey, I'm a storyteller. I'm Tarantino. I'm Spike Lee. I want to tell a story. I'm Michael Moore. I want to uncover something. Right? I could have it immersive. Dolby is not so interested in you. I'm NBC Universal. They want to deal with you because they want proprietary technology in place. And it's fine. It's good technology, but I Mm -hmm. don't like thinking that they're going with capital over content. Um, that seems to be Dolby's focus because, you know, they're always at these events, but they pay little attention to the content creators other than when it shoots their short-term interest, but their, their product is great, but their, you know, their inclusion, the community is horrible because they're not interested in the content creator. They're not interested in the storyteller. They're interested in Netflix, right? The big deals, right? Yeah. Yes. And, 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 you know, if the, listen, if the filmmaker said, this is the lens I must use. Then the studio is going to use that goddamn lens, and if and I think for, for Dolby, their their biggest marketing guffaw is is that they are more interested in selling some big ticket deal to Amazon than getting the the, the, the technology into the content creators' hands. Because if they got it, everyone would use it, and then everyone would be forced to adopt it. It's like a Costco with organic food. They they aren't they aren't incentivized to do it until every customer wants it. You know,
0: but yeah. And- and that whole thing with, with Dolby too is, it's such a proprietary algorithm that they have with their yeah. with their technology that that they have to get these big listening platforms to support But it's it. not
1: true. It's not true really? because they they, they 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 have an algorithm for you know a, a, a binaural audio that is right. that is so if you have an Atmos file their authoring tool will make you a two channel version like you would have for VR that they wrote it for VR. But years ago in 2019, I was at Dolby labs in Burbank. And again, lovely people. And I like many of you and you're so smart. Your product is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have no interest in, I said, Hey, let's do a show. We were doing a show with many famous people, and I said, let's do it in binaural sound. Let's give them surround sound and headphones like they've never heard. And Dolby couldn't have been any less interested because they were more interested in selling proprietary technology to Amazon than they Mm -hmm. were giving an immersive experience to the audience. And the audience is where you're going to get it.
0: Yeah, and I think that there's kind of two ends of the spectrum here. There's these, you know, like we're talking about with the Dolby Atmos stuff, but that's really – Kind of for a very specific type of content, right? It's not going to be generally used by podcasters, and and that's that's one of the challenges with it. Um, where you look at something like a Nomano, or you look at even a newer platform called uh, it's the InSounds platform. I don't know if you've heard of it or not, but it's a, another kind of noise reduction AI based. Audio enhancement platform that allows people to record audio on their mobile phones and have it sound like you're in a studio. So there's there's this ability coming for podcasters to basically record on any type of recording device and have this technology, this new advanced AI based. I, as, as I said,
1: it's not about the technology, you know. You give Slash a guitar from a Goodwill and it's going to sound great. Even if, you don't, even if you don't like what he has to play, the guy can play. But, you know, so it really depends on the story you're telling.
0: Well, it's we, also the freedom of the podcaster, I think, is the end of the day of where they can record. Uh, well, that's the nice thing is, is,
1: is unplugging you from the studio is the greatest thing. That's
0: exactly heard. that's exactly the bigger point, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's being able to have a simple recording setup that you can bring to a conference or you can bring to a conference room or you can bring to a lobby in a hotel, sit down with somebody and have a conversation and record. You can it. busk
1: in the New York subways. Yeah. I can take right. my guitar. I can put my hat out, and I can go play anywhere. And so right. I think it's very much the podcast version, and and uh, and you hope to be heard.
0: I don't know, record a podcast on a bus or something like that, right?
1: <laughs> I think Domado did that. I think I, I got yeah. to talk to this guy. Well, they, they actually, just,
0: I think they made a video. Of something. Of, I think maybe
1: it was a train. They were doing a fashion or show. Or in on a, a
0: car show. with all the windows rolled down was the other yeah. one that they did, right? Or in front of a waterfall. Uh, yeah. th- that's the other thing, too. And it, it'll take out all that background sound because of the ambient uh, sound that it captures by that little box that you held up. Yeah. So, so anyway, that's kind of a a technology discussion, but it, it, I am very focused on it. I mean, I do have a, a partnership with the InSound's platform, and it is kind of um, moving towards um, basically enabling content creators to record their podcasts anywhere uh, with any any device. And
1: that's I want to try it. I have some nuisance audio. I would love to upload nuisance audio. <laughs> I, I do. I have not listen. Everyone deals with it. Sometimes you get some, you know, a gem, and it's just like a blurry picture. Yeah, exactly. We normal to clean it up. Talking about blurry picture, Norma said something about her 480p picture. Listen, there's a lot of AI upconvert technology now. So if you're worried you have some shitty video from 15 years ago, it'll you clean not, it up, right? I'm not, well, I'm not going to endorse any particular platform, but there's a lot of places you can go to respectably upconvert your content. So if you're worried that it's unusable, that might not necessarily be the case.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it uh, look, looks like uh, the comment that we have up here that the, the com uh uni tea, right uh, i tried using obs um sorry i stunk it up so bad that i had to reinstall um, my microsoft because it, it it messed up my audio or something like that so and and yeah it sounds like you didn't have the best of experience with obs <laughs> <laughs> so that's where that's where StreamYard could probably really help you would be um kind of eliminating that complexity so so it, it's it, it seems appropriate that you're here with us tonight
1: <laughs> so and what's your show i wonder what people's shows are about i mean i, I know what, yeah you know, share with well, us always I know interesting your podcast trying to get off the uh
0: yeah and I'll, I'll 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 pull it up on the screen um if you want to share as well so it'd be awesome so you know and i wanted to talk with you too a, a little bit um jack about um how do you think just an everyday podcaster needs to think about storytelling? Mm-hmm. Um, and what's the what's the key to that? Do you think in a conversation? So, so you, you, conversations you, do you- need to be structured, or do they? Um, can can they be a good story if they're not structured?
1: Oh, absolutely. Listen, different people are different. Some people are more pensive and they need to think things over. And some people are better off the cuff. It's important to understand what kind of storyteller you are, but you want to be curious. You want to be curious. Some people are more interested. You know, my, my, when I came to LA, my sister said, I'm going to give you some advice. You'll be just fine. People like to talk about themselves. If you get them to talk about themselves, they'll like you. Right. And, and I think the same thing in podcasts, but a lot of people who host the show are more interested in them than their topic or their guest. And so I think that you want to be curious. You want to ask questions your your audience wants answered. You know, you really want to put yourself in other people's shoes and and you want to add some value. And as I said, if you're not adding value, you want to make someone feel something, whether it's whether it's excitement or hatred, they have to walk away feeling something. And the other thing is there's a lot of noise out there. So if you're going to have a solo cast or just, you know, people talking to a microphone about restaurants or movies or whatever, or politics or just playing video games, there's a lot of noise. So if you want to be heard above the noise, you're going to have to offer something that your competitors do not. And I think still in podcasts, there are massive, massive opportunities to be heard above the noise. Massive. Look, I, I mean, this is my first show. It's been on the charts for 41 weeks, right? There's no reason I should have a show on the charts against Marvel and iHeart and Spotify and universal Lionsgate, Sony and every other. Why? I think it's easy to be heard above the noise and all you have to do is do a little better than your competitors, which, you know, I have to tell you, listen, there's many fine shows out there, but many of your competitors are setting the bar very low. Let's just be honest.
0: Yeah. So if you don't have, a, you know, let's say a celebrity like a Kelsey Grammer, which is part of your. We
1: didn't. Listen, when we launched Table. Read, we had no celebrities. We had no celebrities at all. We what what table the read. magic
0: uh, there, Jack, that taps into success? Great. So, so
1: table read, here's the story behind table read, right? My friend, Sean Sharma, who's on the show, the chosen, which has nothing to do with our success. And he's very active with the screen actors guild in my community. He does these table reads in Hollywood where Mm -hmm. writers or directors might want to have a script read before they decide if they're going to come on board or where they want to hear actors do it live. So behind the scenes, doesn't matter if it's Spielberg or universal or JJ Abrams or whomever, people have table reads done to see if they like these scripts. And so Sean, Puts them on for AFI and Screen Actors Guild and different, and so you know he said to me, "Hey, I've done 600 table reads in the last three years, and he said there's some scripts that were so incredible that moved everyone in the room, and they haven't made them into features." And I said, "Well, let's do them as a podcast, right? If they had, you know, people cried or they laughed or whatever, the room couldn't handle it. It's you know, it's bridesmaids, but no one's ever heard it. You know, and in our community, we knew actors." But we didn't know super famous actors. Hey, this guy's been a cadaver on CSI. This guy played an alien on one show. This guy's
0: been a cadaver on CSI. I'm I'm, I'm not even joking. So many of my friends, they were
1: were a lawyer in three episodes of a a Davey Kelly show, right? So they're working actors. So, uh, you know, I I mean, we we said, hey, let's take this script that's won a a Blacklist Award that's been covered on Coverfly that no studio has ever bought, but everyone says it's so goddamn good. And let's just do it live in a table read with actors who love to act. And we called the actors community, right? And there's many people who do independent films and local theater because they love the craft, not because they're looking for money or stardom. And the actors community said, yeah, we want to read these award-winning scripts. And we just set up mics and presented it as a podcast. So it was very organic. We didn't have any celebrities. And then once we started, once we showed proof of concept, I sent it out to celebrities, and I sent it to showrunners, and they listened to the first one we did, which is Renfair versus Aliens by Harry Aspinall, who's an award-winning writer who has not had his big break yet. But when he enters writers competitions, he wins awards. Um, and uh, and and by the way, Harry, yes, you have your big break, but I still think your greatest achievement is ahead of you. But um, uh, and, and that's what we do. And so the celebrity came later. You know, it's almost like the hot ones. You know, right. that guy started eating hot peppers with you know anyone he could get, and then it became something to do. Right. And then it became very respectable. The same thing with us. We we put on a very respectable show and, and the talent followed. And I think, this, you know, if you add value, if you do something no one else is doing, um, you know, you're, you're going to get hurt above the noise because everyone is doing the same thing. And if all you do is get in a, the, the big line to get into a nightclub, you're probably never going to get in. And it's the same thing. If you if you only do what everyone else is doing, you're never going to be heard.
0: So how do you think that, you know, podcasters should try and, and differentiate themselves? I mean, what what, what are those key factors? You know, you know, I know that a lot of the common thinking is, you know, like the host's presence. You know, what is the host? You know, I think about a lot of the big um, kind of video shows on YouTube that are also podcasts and they look like a podcast and stuff like that. What What differentiates, do you think, those shows that are getting... A half million views and shows that are only getting two or three views. Now, I think listen, you're,
1: you're, is- your, your, your 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 show podcast, uh, YouTube show, TV show is going to live or die by your host. Okay. People watch Jimmy Fallon for Jimmy, not for Schwarzenegger, who's on Got it. right? It's and not so, about the guest, right? It is, is not all about the guest. It is about the host of 100%. And your show will live or die by your host. It doesn't matter who the fuck is on. If your host is bad and you have a Kardashian on, you're still not going to have a show that survives. You're just really not. So, you know, and, and and the host doesn't have to be famous, right? Look at Ear Hustle. Here's a prisoner who hosted a show about being on the inside, but his, his, his voice was genuine. Right. And so that's where you get some skin in the game. And it's it's no different than, you know, uh, uh, someone who hosts a true crime show because their family was devastated by true crime. And they then decide, I'm going to do this show where I'm going to track down criminals. They have skin in the game. And so you don't have to be famous. As a matter of fact, I don't like the, you know, uh, uh, Robert Stack Unsolved Mysteries you know, model where you have a celebrity who comes in and squawks some lines. I think podcast is genuine. So if the host has skin in the game, they're going to ask the questions. They're going to relate to the audience. They're going to relate to the audience. They're going to relate to the guest. Um, so listen, a friend of mine pitched me a show that was really great with really great guests and hosts who I thought were not the right fit. That's the most political I can be. And I, and I said, I said, I can give you advice, but I'm not interested in coming on board because I don't think your hosts are the right fit. So, um, and, and many people who have an idea, they think, listen, they should be a producer, but they should back up as the host. Everyone wants to be the host. I should host a show. Right. If you have a great idea that is a skill, man, being able to manage a show and ask the right questions and pace it out right and be intuitive and be humble and let other people talk, which I don't do, um, you know, is really a a gift.
0: And also I think it's a, it's an underappreciated, um, thing that you need to do is listen. Um, and it's difficult sometimes doing a live show like this or other podcasts where you're so distracted doing other things that, it's hard to multitask so that takes a little bit of skill development to do that i mean i came out of uh broadcast radio for many years myself but then i moved into doing pre-production for a lot of the content that i did but um i've been doing live for like 13 or 14 years so you know it does take some practice you know to be able to manage a live show specifically uh, it takes practice, but it also takes a certain different level of energy, too, that you need to bring to the production, too. Um, I struggle sometimes with the pre-recorded stuff now because it's like, you know, I can, I can always redo it, right? I can always re-record that or I can always fix that or whatever. And it, 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 it kind of lowers your energy level, I think. I don't know. What's your thought on live versus pre-recorded?
1: Listen, it's not even the music some acts are incredible live they put on a show and they leave it all on the stage and some right. people are like you know steely dan or pharrell or you know whatever reference you want to use where in the studio you can get it just perfect so personally as someone who 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 likes to fix my mistakes <laughs> i like studio work where you can get it just perfect, just perfect exactly. right. but there's some people who are so good live and I'm not one of them, where they can really thrive in that environment. And some people really are energized by an audience. Some people yeah. connect with a live audience in a way that is a very unique experience. And I can only tell you, as a musician who wasn't good enough, I always like studio work better than live work. <laughs> and, and the guys who weren't good enough always like live work better than studio work because they could organically, in that moment, there's an energy between your audience when you do live work. You know, it's better yeah. than a comedian who, who uh, you know, does leave in front of an audience versus pre recorded.
0: So I think that their strengths, it, it really gets back to what your skills are as a content creator, right? And 100%. what you feel comfortable with, you know, if you're, and it's okay to make some mistakes. I mean, I'm not perfect when I produce this show either. There's always little things that don't go, work quite right. But, you know, I think the audience is okay with that generally, as long as I'm thinking about them and 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 looking at their comments and, involved in trying to have a conversation with you that's helpful to them. And I think I try and do that. I'm not perfect at it. Hey, I uh, want to know about the uh, interviews with celebs,
1: but like t- two levels below Joe Rogan. So square <laughs> table, tell me who what is two levels are. below Joe Rogan. I might know some of those people. They might be my friends. I want to know who they are. I'm going to help you Ted. you know, DM me. I want to hear who they are.
0: because I've got crazy. a couple of friends that I, I, I know that have been on Joe's show. So it's, it's, it's not easy to get on his show. Anyway, I'll think. tell
1: you this about live versus studio. There's many shows that start in the studio and then go on tour and do a live show. And even with table read, where we go into a studio and really record the best one, you know, we're talking about doing a live one, uh, a, a live reading of Fright Night with the original cast in front of an audience. So even though with, you know, Christopher Sarandon and all the original people, and it's a real cult classic, but so even though we normally do them in a studio, because we're going to read something that has a core audience, we thought, oh, let's, let's bring you know Tom Holland, who's the original director who created Chucky, and the original cast back together you know, 40 years later, and let's do this live table read in front of an audience in, in an auditorium. So even though our show is typically a studio show, we are going to do one live and then have a Q&A after and a little get-together. So I think you can
0: do a hybrid. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, we're getting close to the end of the show here and I just want to remind you that the the giveaway is going to happen at the end of the show. Just enter the hashtag the yard into your comment field as you're watching this live uh, live show and that'll enter you into the giveaway that's going on here. And let me look and see how many folks are entered. We're up to it looks like 42 entries. So, if you haven't entered to win a Streamyard uh, hoodie sweatshirt and a um, Puddles the Duck, um, please enter your uh, your entry into the comment field. So, so anyway, um, yeah. And Jack, I wanted to, you know, there's aspects of this that are the whole creating an unforgettable podcast right um, there's different dynamics that happen with pre-recorded versus live now live i think has greater opportunities to create an unforgettable experience i think the the pre-production side has different opportunities can, can you talk about that so as you think about a, a pre-produced opportunity what does that look like the if you're really trying to wow an audience and really build an audience um, that's loyal to the program and will keep coming back. Well,
1: as as I said, you want to make your audience feel something, but I think the difference in podcast is, where tv is very one way and even where radio is right. very one way podcast people feel like they know the host and they're part of the show and they're right. in the experience it's like listen if you go to see a comedian live i could name anyone, but it doesn't matter if you know you think of any famous comedian you know you feel like you know the comedian because you've gone out and it's an experience in the room and you're sharing it with them so th- that's a live experience uh, mm-hmm. a, a a um a pre-recorded show is, is much more of a planned calculated event. And as I said, different people are good, different ways, and different Mm -hmm. stories unfold different ways. You know, in in a live show, you have, you know, the element of surprise and unpredictability and you can build that into your show. And and as I said, some people are good off the cuff and, you know, in a, in a pre-recorded show, you have, you know, a lot of opportunity for not only sound, but, you know, storytelling edits, but you know, um, I think some people really like those three hour unedited shows. And then yeah. in storytelling, people, some people like very refined shows where, you know, uh, they're hearing a story the way the very best authors have given it to them and the way the very best. Listen, look, look at Dr. Death on Wondery, right? You know, people who really love fine documentary filmmaking, Oscar winning documentary filmmaking or A&E biography, you know, connect with that. And it's, it's a very journalistic approach to podcasts. So it really depends what direction you're going to go. And like, like us, you know, we're, we're really having fun in the fiction you know, a, a realm. Um, we're doing a show with best-selling author Brenda Jackson. She's written 150 novels, so we're trying to bring her audience, who who you know has bought literally millions of novels, who's put her on the bestsellers list, you know, seven yeah. times a year. Those are people who buy novels, and we're trying to bring them into the podcast realm. So, you know, much like Brenda's book is refined and edited and rewrittening, our show is edited and refined and rewritten for an audience who's used to that kind of distilled content. But some people. Some people like to eat the vegetables raw out of the garden and some people like the wine that's a little more distilled, you know?
0: So would you re- recommend that um, just about everybody go take an improv class or a comedy um, class of some sort? Um, oh, listen, I think, I think, can, both that, be taught, can, can that skill be taught? Oh, uh, well, listen, it, it can't
1: be taught, but you can uncover if the, if, if the raw materials are there, you know, a buddy of mine who went to film school uh, and, and he was a documentary filmmaker. They had an assignment as these, as these, you know, film school SC filmmakers. And the assignment was to go out and do interviews with people, but to get them upset and then calm them down and to see how many times you could keep talking to them before they would walk away, right? And so how many times, and I thought, you know, that's a skill that you need to learn, you know, to, when you're managing situations. And, and I think there's a, that's a, you know, a huge skill. So, you know, I think developing, you know, as you said, the ability to improv or, or the ability to interview is is you know you got to get out there and do it and and I like that one because that's very trial by fire if your goal to get, <laughs> cause listen if you're going to get people as an interviewer you got to be able to ask hard questions that people don't want to answer you
0: know yeah and, and there's there's organizations out there I'm I'm trying I'm trying to remember the 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 name of it too that you can learn how to public speak and things like that um, yeah so I think podcasting is a lot different than public speaking though. Um, I think well, there's I think a lot you of
1: speak more candidly, like you do to a friend, and I yeah. think being a great orator is a much different skill set than exchanging genuine dialogue. And I think the hardest thing is many people will speak with a friend in one way, but they can't speak to an audience the same. There's a disconnect. You feel vulnerable, like like I could be naked in the shower, but not out shopping, right? You know, you're comfortable. One, you know, it's the same thing, but it's just a different perspective. And I think you know, being that same genuine. And some people just aren't that way. But if you can be that same vulnerable, inquisitive person, I think you can be very successful live. If not, I think it might take a little more sculpting like what I do.
0: (laughs) Well, I think it's it's something you have to think about too. Because, I mean, you don't want to do things that are unnatural to you and to your personality. It's not going to get – You're right, April.
1: You're right, April. The person is the story, April. But also you're the story, your perspective, your lens. You know, your job, April, is if you're telling a story – you're you're like a you're like a magnifying glass with the sun. So this person you're interviewing is that light coming in. It's your job to to condense that story down to the very best elements because otherwise, you know, the audience doesn't have a dog sniffer. They they're not going to get the story. You know, you yeah. have the dog sniffer, so it's your job to make that you know evident to them. So I get you, you hundred percent as the person. If you don't care about people, you shouldn't have a podcast. Or if you don't care about people, you should find a different host. I would say. Right.
0: Well, and also the the aspect of of sharing personal aspects of, of yourself, you know, I do know that uh, there are some very big radio uh, podcast hosts out there that, you know, if you listen to their programs, they actually get very kind of personal with their audience, right. And share things about their, their, you know, to some degree about their, their wives or their, their, their uh, hobbies and the things that they, they work on. And there's always been this tension in the medium that, you know, you should never get too personal with your audience or you should never share. That's
1: where you find, that's where you find listeners.
0: That's where you find Uh
1: engagement.
0: And right. You're talk about right? the
1: fact that, hey, I, You know, Nigel Lithgow discussed on Ryan's podcast that he attempted suicide. So many people are going to listen and say, I went through that same experience and they feel very validated by it. Right. So that's an opportunity for you to end up with some audience engagement, which is an audience for you, which is an opportunity for you to engage in writing with your audience, which is an opportunity for you to up your SEO. So when people search things, your show comes up. And, you know, the, the other thing is, you know, a lot of people say, well, I have a great show. I'm asking questions, but how do I find, how, how is anyone going to come listen? How are they going to know about me? How are they going to right. know yeah,
0: me, how do we get the word out to reach people?
1: Listen, here's what we did, you know, outside of having a lot of cast members so we could use a greater social media echo. Let's say you don't have that. I have two people. Um, we were aggressive in submitting our show for awards consideration and, um, and, uh, uh festival consideration. And, you know, because we were making such a high caliber show, uh, many uh, very good awards accepted us. And what that did was that put us in consideration for an award win along with other respectable shows. And suddenly our show is in with these iHeart shows and these Wondery shows. And then there's our show. And we were very aggressive about submitting them because it put us next to names that we wanted to be next to that we felt maybe we were as good as and um and that created a much larger echo for us you know because we couldn't afford a pr firm we couldn't afford a billboard on sunset like like amazon but we can certainly get our name right next to amazon and in many awards we won against amazon and again that was very validating and that takes nothing more than someone going to many of the exploitive sites that have contests and giveaways and submitting your show and and getting objectively recognized because you say, well, how can I be heard above the noise? If you're making something really great, submit it for as much consideration as you can. And if you're telling a really important message, you know, I would say go to an important foundation and get a grant for the work you're doing. If you're talking about food or homelessness or anything that's a little more altruistic, get a grant and produce your show. And if you're, if you're a great storyteller, submit to competitions because you're going to find yourself Competing with Wondery and iHeart and Spotify in short order, and you know that's what we've done. We've won competition after competition against them, even though we can't afford to advertise against them.
0: So, did you ever enter any of your shows into the Ambies Awards? Yeah, uh, I have. I have. Oh, that's okay. did you win one
1: is it i know i have a webby nomination i have an oh, emby so, okay so th- this year we're uh yeah you know, we've won uh, table Readers has won eight awards so far and been you know nominated uh 22 times and uh we've won so but we're the the ambies are coming up and the webbies are right coming here up in march so i was
0: the first uh uh chairperson of the ambi awards so yeah nice
1: Nice. Yeah, well, it's true. nice to know, you know, my, my, my uncle Alvin yeah. said, you know, what makes you know, you're a good lawyer. You know, if you win the case, you're a great lawyer, if you know the judge, and I think an entertainment, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, as I said, even if you're, an, un- I can tell you this as an unknown show that didn't have any studio cred, we, we put ourselves in for recognition and we got it. And at one point we were up for many festival selections at the same time. And that pushed our downloads to almost 80,000 downloads a week Wow. Uh, maybe six or eight weeks into us launching our podcast. And, you know, if I wow. listen to the people who are subject, you know, have reasonable expectations for your podcast and, you know, have a newsletter mm-hmm. here are the five, big things, right. here, here are the five things you should do. You know, that that's bullshit advice really, because, you know, everyone's strategy is a tailor-made suit and and you have to think, what can you do? But I think that's the, that's a soft underbelly is get those awards and get those recognitions because just like A&R guys who used to sign bands they look yep. at who's hot in Buffalo and who's hot in Seattle, and then they go check out the act. So if you start making a place for yourself on, you know, small film festival scenes that have a podcast category yep. or small podcast competitions, people watch that at the larger platforms. And if right. you make enough half court shots, someone is going to call you. That's what happened with with realm. You know, listen, the best way to sell is to have people come to you. Not you go to them. Yeah, <laughs> right.
0: I agree with that a hundred percent. Realm came to us,
1: you know, yep. it, we got a million downloads before we got any advertisers. Then advertisers started coming. And organically, we present. We, we approached sponsors like Nomano. They're kick-ass. We said, let's do a whole show just with your mics. And they came on board as sponsors, both in providing equipment, and they helped with some production costs. And they, that's they're awesome, And when we got to a million downloads, then advertisers started coming on and then, you know, by the end of the year, you know, realm reached out and they said, Hey, we like what you're doing. We want you to join the network. So, and, and as I said, that's the best way to sell is when, you know, when people are knocking on your door because cold calling sucks.
0: And so I wanted to mention this, this comment, it's a very interesting comment. Um, especially as you think about broadcast radio, but the basement show, um, made a comment here. It says my show has five different shows in it. One is all sports. We, we have a ladies night show and a video game show and a movie night. So, This concept of, uh, it's kind of like a variety show, right? Uh, It's rather old school. Well, well, listen, I don't
1: know if it's five shows in one or if they're a production umbrella that is presenting five separate programs. Yeah, I would think that it just covers all those. By the way, I, 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 I love the idea of a variety show and podcast. At the platform level, like you know, for a while I was you know working for Universal and working for the studios, and I remember several times saying, "Hey, there should be a variety show. No one's doing it with Thrive and podcast. So if that's where they're doing great, and if they're trying to think, what do we do with our five shows, five different shows under one umbrella?" The I don't know that show,
0: it's five different uh, show feeds. It could I be know, one. But I'll, I'll tell you what to do. You know, if you, you DM in. me seriously,
1: I promise I will tell you exactly what to do. Um, you know. I have a good friend who's a sports agent at a major agency. I have good friends in the NFL, you know, uh, and listen, it doesn't matter if it's, um, you know, 30 for 30 or, you know, barstool sports, you know, it's a, it's a huge showing. As far as ladies night go, you know, more women support podcasts than men. Each one of those, you know, has a, a you know, an yeah. angle where you can easily find an audience and find a sponsor to help you bring it to an audience.
0: Yeah. I mean, I as- Clearly w- women are taking over podcasting. There's, well, everything there's, there's, really, there's, everything there's, there's really, everything that.
1: really. <laughs> yeah. And, and listen, listen, having managed creative teams, you know, I always find that when I'm looking for the best, we always end up, you know, female heavy, as far as people can get the job done and are organized and, you know, you know, make no excuses. Uh, you know, I, I can just tell you how it has worked out repeatedly when we're only looking for the best and not looking at gender.
0: Yeah. Right. I mean, really, talent comes from everywhere out there and, and it does, sometimes it, it comes from very surprising places, but there's also a very diverse audience out there in podcasting now that, which hasn't always been the case.
1: Um, well, here's
0: where it really thrives,
1: right? Even, even though on a very tight vertical and a vertical is your audience, you know, it doesn't matter if it's Republican politics or, or, you know, or, or MAGA people or someone in an in an extreme vertical Turkey hunting, Right. Podcast, if you have a very extreme vertical, you know, can thrive because your audience uh, uh, will be interesting to an advertiser. If I have a turkey hunting podcast and I have 5,000 weekly listeners, someone who's marketing a travel experience to turkey, there, I think there's the only reason I use that is because there's a podcast with like 12,000 followers of the turkey hunting podcast. And the guy does very well because someone who sells anything specific knows that every listener is a customer.
0: Right? Sponsored so, by Butterball, right? <laughs> if
1: you're selling turkey vines or whatever, I'm not endorsing turkey hunting. I'm just saying that, you know, you can exist on a very tight vertical. If you're if you're gonna say, you know, the best, you know, pizzeria's on the east side of New York, right? You can certainly have a podcast that makes money and is funded and thrives in a very tight vertical. You don't need to be smartless and have a hundred million dollar deal on XM, but it's nice to know that you can achieve those goals.
0: Yeah. And this uh other comment uh uh, was it Split Rock? Um, my podcast is a group chat. The central topic, um, and four to six people discuss their views on certain hobby issues. There are many laughs and jokes as well. Streamyard is is working out for him pretty well for that type of a format. It's it's an interesting format, right? It's like the you know it's like a like a group show on radio, like, you know, like a morning show, that kind of concept.
1: Listen, I like all those open discussions. If it's Pod Save America or Drink Champs yeah. or whatever it is, I like those open discussion forums. And, you know, everyone likes the barbershop conversation or people hanging around playing video games.
0: Yeah, especially if the people have personalities and they're, they're different and they, they don't always agree. And there's just a magic formula to this. I mean, I've, I've done shows that had as many as um, three other co-hosts. And there's a formula. I mean, it's an X factor. You, you never know when the formula is going to line up and be blockbuster. Um, but you know, sometimes you luck out, right? And it and it all works, and the magic uh, flows. And but Listen, the most important thing, thing is when when the
1: magic does flow, being prepared for it. Right. That's what, you know, when that opportunity presents itself and you have something that's getting a little fire. you have a platform that's interested, or you have an investor has some money, you have that advertiser coming at you for the first time. You know, the most important thing is for you to be able to, you know, recreate the magic every time, you know, not, not just getting it right one time to attract someone, but to continue. It's like you go to In-N-Out every time the burger is good, right? Right. And so you want to make sure that not only is it the person that you attracted them the first time, but every time they come, they're getting what they're looking for.
0: Right. Right. it can vary a little bit and it can, it can be appealing to different segments of the audience too. It's just, you know, are you going to keep the same audience coming back if it's a different formula? Cause people, that's the advantage of like a multi-person show is like, you know, more than one and more than two is that certain people will be attracted to certain co-hosts and, Maybe not like other co-hosts, but the dynamic between the person that you like and the person maybe you don't like Mm -hmm. is what keeps you coming back, right? So those are those are kind of X factors that are sometimes hard to predict. But my recommendation for this is always, if you have a co-host or whatever, it's always ideal to have them be a completely different personality than you. (laughs)
1: Listen, it's true. In screenwriting, you know, your story thrives on conflict. Right. Right. Anybody, you know, if you're taking one of those one on one level or I went to this film school and I studied writing, you know, you know, at at the most remedial level, you know, conflict is where your story thrives and that's where your audience will, you know, uh, uh, relate to your story. So I agree. The more conflict you can interject into your storytelling, the more your audience will relate to it.
0: Yeah. Well, I think we should probably uh move towards wrapping this up and getting the giveaway going. Um I think we're we're approaching 90 minutes here, um uh, Jack. We've we've def- definitely out, outstretched our our welcome, but it does appear that our, our our live viewers have stayed up pretty high as we move toward the 90 minute mark, which is right. which it's right. good to see, right? So so that's always a good good gauge on this. Uh and the comments have been coming through and I I want to thank everybody for posting the comment. I don't always make it through all the comments um, so because there's so many that, that come in and I totally appreciate it. But and I try and get through as many of them as I can. But uh, let's go ahead and pull up uh, the giveaway. And let's see. I think we're up to 53 entries in the drawing. So that's a, that's a good number. I appreciate that, everybody. And so let's uh, pull that up to... The screen here. Let me uh, change there. There's the, the screen. So, so the last minute here, if you haven't entered the giveaway for the StreamYard uh, hoodie and a puddles duck, um, go ahead and type hashtag the yard into the drawing or into your comment field in your preferred live viewing platform. And that'll be added to the uh, pool that we will um, do a random draw on here. So we will figure that out. So one thing I did want to mention, too, just to catch everybody, just in case some folks leave here, is what um, what you'll need to do if you turn out to be the winner is you'll need to send me an email with your uh, your sweatshirt size as well as your mailing address. So we can send you your uh, your swag. so so let's go ahead and um, pull the the draw or push the draw button to figure out who of the 53 entries out there um, uh, wants to uh, get some swag. So let's hit the button right now. All right. Arius and the nation won the, the giveaway tonight. Thank That's you. That's who I right. was rooting for. I was rooting oh, for. Was.
1: This.
0: <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Do you know him or something? <laughs> oh, listen, I know them all. I know every one of these people. <laughs> awesome. All right. Uh so, so send me your email to rob.greenly at gmail.com. And be happy to forward that email over to the StreamYard team, and we'll get you your your swag out to you as soon as uh, they can. So thank you so much, and Jack, I, I I appreciate you so much for coming out and spending time with me today, and taking up your your evening to uh, to help others here. I appreciate that a lot, and I do wish you great success with the the shows that you're working on feel free to share with your audience how um, the people that are watching this can keep up with you and see your projects and watch a few of your, uh, your podcasts. Got it. Uh,
1: thank you very much for listening. It's been a pleasure. Anytime I can be of service, you let me know. And uh, I think everyone should check out table read. They can go to manifestmediaproductions.com. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm very accessible and, and listen, the greatest thing about podcast, as you know, cause it's the way you and I came together. It, it is such a supportive community. If you're trying to get into film, if you're trying to get into radio, if you're trying to break into music, it's not as, as, as communal. And there's a lot of community support in podcasts where you can reach out to people and they'll help you get in. And, and that's one of my favorite things about it. It's kind of back to the, you know, grassroots, just, you know, I love making content versus, you know, I'm overly competitive and, uh, you know, I'm not going to help you. So, um,
0: yeah, that's awesome. Well, that's that's the values of podcasting. That, that's how I came up. Right. I started podcasting in 2004, and that was the values of the medium back then. It's continued to, to be that way. I just got back from a podcast conference. Um, I was up on stage um, um, kind of managing the podcast Hall of Fame down there. I had Dr. Drew Penske as my master of ceremonies for the, the Hall of Fame induction ceremony that happened. Cool on the 26th down in Orlando. And so that, that was an exciting thing. So you can go watch that if you want in, in YouTube on the, the Lipson uh, YouTube channel, if you wanted to go check it out or just do a search for um, podcast hall of fame and you'll, you'll find it. So, so anyway, well, thank you, Jack so much. This uh, URL that i shared with everybody, uh, if you want to see uh, updated list. Of new features in the StreamYard platform, you can go to this URL: new.streamyard.com, and it has an itemized list of all of the new functions and features in the um, the platform um, that, that will give you, you know, compelling um, capabilities in the platform if you want to do it, do a show, and it keeps you up to date. So that that'd be a place that I would regularly go check to keep up to date with what's uh, current in the platform. So, so anyway. Well, thank you everybody for posting the, uh, all the comments. I know I didn't get to everybody tonight and I apologize for that. Um, but come back and join me, um, uh, next week on uh, Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And we'd love to have you back with me on the, on the program here. So it's always, always great to see all of you and ha- have all of you and a lot of the same names are, are showing up, um, in the, in the comment areas. And I, I fully appreciate that. So thank you so much. And, and hope you have a wonderful evening. Um, and, um, you know, keep, keep doing live and keep doing your podcast. Uh, it'll all, it'll grow if you are consistent and keep it, keep it going. So thank you so much, Jack. Thanks again. And good night.